So every year, uh, you, you may have heard Julie and I talk about this, but every year we listen to uh, uh, the Bible on the Daily Audio Bible app. I think we're probably going on four or five years. And um, so every morning, get up. It's an Old Testament, a New Testament, Psalm, and a Proverb. And um, the Bible is read to me. So now one thing about having the Bible read to you, I can end up getting lazy sometimes and kind of zone out. And even though I've got it open and I'm trying to follow along, but, but you know, I, I believe firmly that even though I may zone out a little bit, God's word is still true and he still gets through to me. So the first part of the, of the Bible is always in Genesis. So it talks about the children of Israel. Now the children of Israel if you remember, uh, came from a guy named Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. He had four wives, and he had 12 children. So that's how we get the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, one, th one interesting thing about Jacob is, well, I should back up a little bit. If you remember, Abram, God came to Abram. Now, if you look at the history of Abram, it's not really clear that he was a real follower of God at that time. Uh, he must have been because God came to him and said, Hey, uh, Abram, pack your bags up. I want you to go to another land. And in um, Genesis 12, the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram was the, was the grandfather of Jacob, and then Jacob, uh, through his four wives, had 12 sons. Now, one amazing thing about about that if you remember Jacob what was he known for anybody he's a deceiver right every chance he got he was um, messing with his brother or or even stole his brother's blessing and so that encourages me because uh, it amaz and it amazes me that God always uses flawed people because I am one of those flawed people and um, and I would I'd probably venture to say most of us in here are flawed, but God still loves us. And it, it really impressed on me this week that God not only loves us, he likes us. He doesn't like what we do sometimes, but he likes you. Just think about that. The creator of the universe loves us and likes us. You know, there's times when my kids were growing up, you know, I loved them, but I didn't like them. Yeah, there's probably times my wife doesn't like me, but I'm so thankful she still loves me. But it is, but God likes us. He just doesn't like what we do. I've been doing a lot of little projects around the house, and um, and uh, you know through the power of the Holy Spirit, when when we have flaws in our life, one of the great things of the power of the Holy Spirit is God will heal that flaw and take it away from us. He doesn't just cover it over. Now, the projects I've been doing at home 
has to do with drywall. If you ever worked with drywall, it is very forgiving because all you need is a little bit of tape, a little bit of plaster, a little bit of sanding, and in my case, a little more tape, a little more plaster, a little more sand, a lot of sanding. But before you know it, it looks like the flaw was never there. But it's still there. You just can't see it. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, if you're a believer, God doesn't just cover over those flaws. He completely heals them and takes them away. And that, so if you're not a believer today and you'd like prayer after service, like Julie said, you know, you can come back here by the prayer table or just grab Greg Veach or me, and you know, we'd love to pray with you because God wants to take care of those flaws in each of our lives. And he does that through the word, through his word, through prayer, through our brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, through our spouses, through our children. There's all kind of ways God uses all these things to make us into the people that he wants us to be. So the, the, the theme for today, that was kind of the introduction. So if I look at, that's probably 15 minutes of introduction. This is not going to be an hour sermon, so you don't have to worry about that. But um, I've noticed, too, in my life that I go from desperation to going good to desperation to going good you know it's a sine wave so if you know what a sine wave is it's always going up and down up and down I figured out in my 60 years here on earth and 52 years as a believer that that's just the standard way that I see through life over and over and over again. We're always going through this, uh, this um, sine wave uh, in our life. And um, the reason why we're constantly going through that is we're human. And uh, until we, till we get to go to heaven and get to walk on the streets of gold, we're going to constantly be going through that. But what I want to focus on Today is when we get in these desperate times, desperate times call for desperate measures. And when we get in these desperate times, God wants us to call out to him and seek him and ask him for help. Now, God doesn't want us just to call out when we're desperate. He wants us to call out when times are going good. So if you've had a great week this week, then I encourage you, call out to God. If you've had a rough week, I encourage you to call out to God. If you've had a middle-of-the-road week, I encourage you, call out to God. Because God wants to be part of all of our lives. He doesn't want to um, not like you and not love you. He, he loves us and he likes us. So today, to begin with the end in mind, I want to come and give you the three points. And we'll talk about the three points. You know, every sermon's got to have three points. Uh, Jerome's had three last week. Mine have three this week. I don't, I don't can't remember who's speaking next week. We'll see. Just check, see if they have three points. <laughs> so, um, so, point number, so point number one, desperate times call for desperate measures. Call out to God. Point number two, God doesn't always answer the way we want him to answer but he always answers the way we need him to answer. 
And point three, if you're seeking God for direction and not getting the answer you want, I encourage you to press into the answer God is giving you. And that's hard. If we're not getting the answer we want, I notice this with my children as they are growing up, and I see it in my grandchildren. It's easy to go off in the corner and pout as opposed to saying, okay, you are the adult, and you probably know better, but uh, this, is, this is what we got going on, right? So, like we said earlier, you know, um, Abraham, grandfather of Jacob, if you remember Jacob, he ran away from home because he stole his brother's uh, birthright, which back in the day was a big deal because that meant that even though he was number two in line, the firstborn always got, firstborn always got all the goods, right? He was the firstborn. Well, uh, Esau didn't really care about his birthright. He was hungry, if you remember. Jacob made a little soup, said, hey, I'll give it to you, but you've got to give me your birthright. So he did. And then uh, when um, Isaac was getting ready to die, it's time for him to bless the firstborn, which, was, which is a big deal to do that. So what did uh, Jacob do? He snuck in there, put a little fur on his arm, made some soup, and went in, his, his father was blind, couldn't hear real good, and went in and got the blessing. But that totally destroyed his life because his brother was going to kill him. As soon as his father passed away, his brother was going to take care of him because he stole his blessing. He stole his birthright, and he stole his blessing. So Jacob had to leave. Jacob ran away, went to his, his uncle Laban, and uh, there he got married, and uh, he was on his way back. And if you remember in the Bible, he's talking about, you know, he was scared. He thought for sure, and if you, if you read through it, there, he talks about he put his, his uh, two servant wives in front with all their children goods, and he worked his way all the way back because he just knew his brother was going to come through and just wipe them all out. So, so, you know, I kind of wonder why in the world was he even going back if he, if he thought for sure he was going to get wiped out. But he, he did. He went back, and, and God took care of him. God talked to his brother in a dream and said, don't touch him. Yeah, he's, my, he's my man. And uh, so he came back, and he went through. And, but that night before he was to meet with his brother, Jacob was calling out. He was desperate. So he went across the lake, I mean the river, and he was praying, and he says he was wrestling with God. I'm not quite sure what that looks like, but evidently God was really there, and he was really wrestling. Or if you're from the south, he was wrestling with him. And, um, and Jacob prevailed. And uh, he said, I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me. And so God blessed him. And in uh, Genesis 32, 28, uh, he said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. So that's encouraging to me. 
You know, if you're in a desperate time, call out to God. You have the opportunity to overcome. And we have something Jacob didn't have, is when Jesus came, died on the cross, and rose again, and went to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit back to empower us, to strengthen us. So we have Holy Spirit to teach us, to correct us, to carry us through all the situations that we come to. So we can struggle, we can, we can wrestle, we can see God move and do great work. Point number two, God doesn't always answer the way we want him to answer, but he always answers the way we need him to answer. Always. Not half the time, not 90% of the time, but he always does. Some of you may have heard our story. Uh, if You can tell by the way I'm talking, I'm not from around here. Uh, we've been here for 32 years, uh, and uh, but... 1989, uh, we were on, I was serving aboard the USS Alaska out in Bremerton, Washington, and I'd been on the boat for four and a half years, and uh, Julie, every three months, I would say, see ya, and three months later, I'd show back up, because uh, I'd have to go out to sea on the submarine, and I hated it. Uh, only way we could communicate is she would send me eight 50-word messages, and every word counted. So she couldn't use a uh, or the or and. So I'd get the, I wish I had some of those still. We should have kept some because if you've ever tried to write something and not use all those words, it's tough. But I got the message. And uh, the bad thing was the, the radio men that would type in the messages to be radioed out to the submarine, if it was bad news, they wouldn't send it. So you, because the, you had a bunch of guys stuck in the middle of the ocean, no way out. So you only got good, good messages and you uh, would pray that when you got home that nothing really bad happened. And thankfully for us, it didn't. But time was coming up for me to go off the submarine. So in the Navy, there's a guy called a detail or gal now, guy or gal called a detailer. So you'd fill out your request. Julie and I said, We're, we want to go to Orlando, Florida. That's where nuclear power school was. Number one, it's warm, and it's in the south. And uh, so we just knew. We prayed about it, filled it out, sent it to the detailer. He calls me and says, I got good news for you we're going to send you to upstate New York. <laughs> I was like, did you not read? Did you not read what I asked for? He goes, oh, no, no, you're going to upstate. I said, no, I don't want to go to upstate New York. We had been here for training. We hated the cold, hated the snow. There, we couldn't find a, there were very few churches, it seemed like, back then. And we're like, I don't want to go. So he goes, Guess what? You either go to New York or you're going to another submarine. I said, sign me up. We're going to New York. <laughs> so, and we were wondering, like, Lord, what are you doing to us? You know, uh, my youngest, he turned one when we got here in September of 89. And um, Jackie was six at the time, and Nathan was three. 
And so we pulled everything up, came back to upstate New York. And we're thinking, Lord, what do you got going on here? We did not want to come back here. Matter of fact, I bought a snowblower. It didn't snow for three years. I was like, maybe I need to buy a snowblower every year so it won't snow. But, of course, that doesn't work because we got lots of snow. Um, but it's amazing to me, looking back over the last 32 years, how God put us right where we needed to be. At the time, our kids are here now. We've got six grandchildren. And... Uh, this is home. Matter of fact, when I retired in 2004, we, we moved back to Brownsville, Texas, where Julie's from. And we said, hey, we want to go back south where it's warm and we don't have to fight the snow. We have to worry about hurricanes, but that's okay. That doesn't happen very often. And um, so we get down there. A year and a half into it, we go, we're going back home. So... We prayed about it. God gave me a job. He even paid our moving expenses back up here. And uh, so we've been back here since uh, 2006. And uh, love every minute of it. So, so grateful. So grateful for what God has done there. So um, he didn't answer the, what we wanted, but he answered what we needed. And so point number three. If you're seeking God for a direction and he doesn't give you the answer you want, I encourage you to press into the answer that he's giving you. It's, it's easy to say, well, God doesn't care because he didn't answer the way I wanted to. But if we, if we think that God always has what's best for us, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11 tells us, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future God's got a plan for each one of you he knows exactly where you're at he knows exactly where you're struggling he knows exactly what's going on in your life in your children's lives in your grandchildren's life he knows all of those and he cares and he likes you he wants to do a great work in you so wherever you're at I just ask you press in Jump in. Figure out what God wants you to do here at New Life. If New Life's not your home and you don't feel like this is it, go find a place where you can plug in and God can use you. You know, all over the, uh, over the past few years, when I was an elder here, you know, we would encourage people that if you don't think this is where God wants you to be, we'll pray for you and we'll launch you off somewhere else and let God use you wherever you're at because we want you to be where God is calling you to be. We want you to be where God can use you to the greatest extent possible so we can see the community change and, and lives change and God do a great work. So wrapping up, let me summarize. Desperate times call for desperate measures. Call out to God. But remember, it's not just in the desperate times. Let's call out to him in the good times as well. Point number two, God doesn't always answer the way we want him to answer, but he always answers the way we need him to answer. I've seen that over and over and over and over again. 
And if you're seeking God for direction and not getting the answer you want, I encourage you to press into the answer God's giving you. Jump in, both feet, and watch God do a great work. So let me pray as the worship team comes up. And um, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your faithfulness. Uh, I am amazed over and over and over again how you can continue to work in our lives, how you use flawed people to do your will, and how you love and like us. So I thank you for today. We just lift this time of worship to you. In Jesus' name, amen.